Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Aaron, you're fired. Why? That's the title of the show. When to hire and when to fire. I wanted to get your attention. And <laughs> you're like, wait, wait, what, huh? Uh, today's, a, today's an interesting twist, folks. We're talking about when to hire and when to fire. Now, since this is a sales show, we're naturally referring to your sales team, right? Not necessarily your operations, your admin people, but really the sales people. And, and listen, you may be the salesperson watching this. In time to hire it, or it, fire. And here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this cleanly and clearly. You may need to be fired. You may not be in your best, highest strength position by being a salesperson. You might have got to where you are today by being the salesperson, but most likely you won't get to where you want to go tomorrow if you stay the salesperson all the time, full time. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes you are in your strength zone when you are selling and you're the main person selling. But oftentimes when you want to scale a business or a company, at some point you need to come out of the sales role and become more of the sales manager, the, the person who oversees the team. So hiring and firing a salesperson, which is a sales team or a sales salespeople, multiple salespeople, is the topic of today. And we've been doing it for so long and we've probably hired and fired ourselves many times. Also teams. And we'll talk about what to look for on the way out and what to look for on the way in. Probably will be relatively brief today because these are some simple things. We're not going to go into some into a lot of complexity here, Aaron. So uh, here we are. You are fired, my friend, to kick things off. Uh, okay. Well, then I'm going to go the other way and talk about <laughs> when you should be looking to hire. You know, so I'll take the positive stance to start. I've, I'll do one, you do one, and then let's talk about when you should let somebody go, and I'll do one, and, and you can do one. So that was good. Let's talk about hiring salespeople. Um, one of the things that you have to understand, and it seems like this is something that is uh, very misunderstood amongst our clients, is that you should be able to just hire a salesperson and drop them in a seat and they should instantly be able to make an impact and convert and increase your revenue. So misconception, right? There's a misconception there for sure. And what we have seen over time is that when you hire a new salesperson, and there are outliers where you just yeah. hire some self-starter you know, that just takes it and runs, right? Some rocket, you know, that just like catches lightning in a bottle, but that's not, you can't base your business off of lightning in a bottle, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is we have seen that if you have everything in order, right, your processes, and, with, and like, you know, Pipeline Pro would be a great example. Do you have their stages set up? Do you have their automation set up? Do you have their organization set up? Have you trained them on it? You know, have you given them the right scripting and have you given them the stuff to overcome objections? And let's just assume you're completely dialed in, which most people aren't. And if you're not, you should probably don't, go. Look yeah. And don't take it the wrong way. This is why we're talking about this because it's tough to make the pivot to a person replacing you, especially if you're damn good. Right. And so if you're the, the person still doing it, you know, if you're doing it off spreadsheets and that kind of nonsense still like you're, I mean, you're not only are you currently missing the boat, you're really setting yourself up for failure when you hire 
a salesperson. And you right? might be the bottleneck in that case. No question. If you're doing it like that, you 100% are the bottleneck, right? So go into Pipeline Pro, set up your stages of the client jury, set up your follow-up email, set up your follow-up texts, get calendars integrated, like just do the things, the processes that make it duplicatable. Give yourself right? the tools and the visibility to be able to hire Correct. And, and, and analyze and see what's happening. Absolutely. So I wasn't even going to talk about that, but it's kind of cart and horse, right? Right, right. So assuming that you have those things in play, which every good business does, then you're still looking at on average at about three weeks for a new salesperson to get the marvels out of their mouth. And typically I see it takes about two months for them to hit what their baseline would be. Right. So when you're looking at this whole concept of when should I hire, you should have a pretty good pulse, your finger on the pulse of how your business is growing. And you need to be thinking, I can't wait until I have to. Right. If I want to hit the ground running, I got to know that it's going to take two months before that person's going to hit their stride. So you got to do a little bit of forecasting and a little bit of planning or you're setting yourself up for failure. Right on, agreed. So that would be my first point. Yeah, now here's, here we're talking about hiring and replacing yourself. I have a client mm -hmm. that comes to mind, great guy. He has a marketing agency for lawyers. He's probably listening. And uh, he's been trying to replace himself ever since he's been in my mastermind group because he's one of those guys that's so good. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't say this to be arrogant, by the way. I know that I'm really hard to replace. Aaron, you know that you're really hard to replace. And I enjoy the selling. I enjoy because I don't look at selling as selling. I look at selling as just having great conversations and helping people with the decision. And, and, and when you are at that point where it's a very relaxed, non-pressure and salesy type environment for you, selling can be fun because really it's just communication and it's just sifting and sorting and you know, dealing with prospects. And if anything, you just create some great relationships along the way. Some will buy, yep. some won't. No big deal, no attachment. When nope. you can get to that place, you're, 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 you're a liberated professional salesperson. And that's the signal, by the way, when you get to that place that now it might be time to add a sales assistant, a setter, if you're the closer, is a good bridge, if you will, right? Yep. And or think about replacing yourself or putting another salesperson side by side you. Right. So back to the story is he's been sifting and sorting through a lot of people, but they just can't get to the pace he was at from an overall closing standpoint. Right. Getting deals done. I mean, I've been there. You've been there. You know, we happen to have a great sales manager in place right now at Pipeline Pro oversees a large team. So they're out there. But I think before you go to hire them, you need to be willing to let go. I mean, it's really hard to do when you've been so effective in a sales role. So first and foremost, from a mindset standpoint, you got to be willing to let go and be willing to train someone and bring someone through the the, the ranks that probably won't be as good as you ever. Yeah, like, let's just ever right there. Right? If we're talking about replacing you and you're the face, mm -hmm. right? I probably close, I close 90% of the people that I want to take on. I, 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 I reject more than I take on inside the agency, right? But the people that I want, it's, it's probably 90%, right? That's because I'm the expert, 
right? I'm the person that yeah. they referred to. There's that credibility. There's that trust. There's experience. I can, you know, there's all these different things that make me close at that level. If you set the expectation with your closer that they have to close at your level, you are an idiot. And you're also setting yourself up for a lot of frustration. You're, you're never, it's never going to happen. Right. Right. You have well, to try, we're trying to just to stop you for a second here. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. We're trying to get your head in the right space first, because of if course. you go into this, taking your business to the next level by bringing in salespeople to replace you or work with you, most likely if you're watching and listening to this show, you're the A player, you're the sales professional, and you'll be tough to replace. And as soon as you sort of let that go, you can go into this thing with a clear mind and yep. not having over expectations that create a lot of frustration. No question. Like just to give you mathematical examples, when we have clients that are doing the sales themselves, their typical close rate is about 50%, right? That's what I kind of see as an average across all of our clients. Yep. When they bring in a sales team, I set the expectation that it should be 25 to 30%. And right away they go, whoa, I'm not hiring a guy to take a cut, right? So right, stop right there, right? You just fell victim to what I was telling you not to fall victim to, right? You're bringing in someone who's of lesser quality. Therefore, there will be lesser conversion percentages. However, two steps back to take three steps forward is the goal here. Right. And, and, and so you have to understand that this isn't about instantly making more money. In fact, it's making less money because now you have to- At least somebody. initially, at least hopefully initially, right? Well, let me let me walk through where I'm going with this is that let's say you've got to pay them and your conversion rate goes down. Oh, that's a big, scary hit. <laughs> right now you hire a second person. Right. And that person closes at the same level and you got to pay them. You're pretty much back to break even of where you were before. Right. Right. Once you get to the third person, ah, now things get interesting because you only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much bandwidth as one closer, right? Right. Now you're starting to get into more sales, which then gives you more time to work on higher leverage activities. Yep, that's right. Which was also going. makes your business more systematic, more valuable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not a one for one swap. In fact, you're lucky if it's a two to one swap, two salespeople for you, and where you really start to see it get impressive as three, four, five, six, seven. The scaling of the sales team at that Correct. point. Correct. And now you have a sales team versus a sales person. You are a sales person. That right. is a sales team, right? So sometimes it's just, it's just as important with the tactics as it is the mental, right? Mm -hmm. Is setting the level of expectations. They will not close as high as you, period, end of story, get over it. But let's, let's, let, let me, let me walk back a point you made. Very important, right? I dealt with this recently. Think about the time it gives you back. Correct. To market, to get better, more qualified leads in the door than what you had before. Usually or, when you're the salesperson, it's it's labor intensive yep. and it takes away from the marketing. Correct. Right? No great sales process is not preceded by good quality, consistent marketing. They go hand in hand. There's not one without the other, right? You can only track down your referrals and do strategy sessions for so long, right? You need deal flow. So I always look at it as if I can bring a salesperson or two on to replace me and they're not as effective as me, but it gives me back, I don't know, four hours in a day, 20 hours in a week, 
right? Let's just use that as a, as, an, as a quick example. Could be more. And I can take that same amount of time to either have more free time because that's important too. Spend time with the family, go to the gym, take a vacation. But more so, can I ramp up some marketing and add new channels and add new funnels to bring more deal call to bring, bring more leads in to get, in, to get in the hands of my one or two new salespeople. That's what I mean by two steps back to take three steps forward. They might not close like you, but they give you your time back and they give you a chance to put more leads in, potentially to offset maybe their lack of, I don't wanna say lack of, but maybe their, their, their closing percentages may be a bit lower, but you can make up for that with more lead flow. More, more, they can have more conversations and more presentations. So you have to look at all of this, right? Not just some of it, not just, oh, I'm bringing someone in to replace me and everything is linear. No, 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 no. You bring someone in to replace you, you buy back, you, you essentially buy back more time to get more leads to come in, to give yourself more time so that you don't continue to resent the business. And that's what happens, by the way, if you're doing too much, especially if you're selling too much, you start to resent the business, right? You start to kind of get like, ugh, it's a grind now. I'm, I'm not liking it. Am I in the right industry? Why am I the one making all the sales? How long is this going to go on for? That's You have to avoid getting to a place where you start resenting your role in your business or you're in trouble. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have a client right now, super good guy. He's the number one sex and porn addiction expert in the United States. Is that Wick, right? Super, super wicked guy. We've grown him tremendously since he came on. He's the sales guy, right? So he had a six figure business. Now he has a seven figure business, but they can't get beyond the seven figures. And what's actually worse about it is his conversion rates are starting to go down. Might be because his performance is starting to trail off. Correct. Because right. he's getting burnt out, which he readily admits. And I said to him, you have to remove yourself because a, I can't send more traffic. There's only so many slots on the calendar mm -hmm. and to make it worse you're actually starting to convert worse because you're burnt out and you're starting to, to resent it and the hate it. The key word is resent. You right? have to so avoid a, getting in a situation where you're resenting yourself, your role, and or your business. It is not easy to do and it often happens unconsciously. So he keeps coming back to me saying, hey, we need to change some of the traffic, some of the offers, some of the this, some of that. And I keep saying he's, to him, no, no. Aaron, he's tap dancing around the reality of what we're talking about. 100%. I'm right? like, we need to change you. Period. <laughs> right? And, and I've, and I've given them a bunch of intros to sales organizations and stuff. And I keep on top of them like, bro, this has to, this has to change yeah, at some point. Yeah. But that leads into another important point, which is I always like to look at metrics, right? I'm, I'm a big metrics person, right? How many strategy sessions per day should you or your salesperson have for maximum efficiency, because that also is a leading indicator of when you should start hiring more, right? Where's so, your, I guess, where's your ceiling, right? Correct. And what we have seen across all of our clients over the last 10 years is the absolute max that should be on a Monday to Friday schedule is eight booked calls. Ideally eight, eight total for the week is in this formula, you're saying? Eight per day. Per day. Got per it. Per day is, is the maximum but it actually is a little better at six, right? Because we typically see about on cold traffic, we typically see about a 60% show rate. So if you look at eight, 60%, that's four and change, five showing up, yeah, yeah. right? They're usually 
sales conversations are fairly in, intense, right? Like you have to And then they can go way longer than expected. That of happens course, a lot. Right. And it could be a one call close, two call close, three call close. You got email follow-ups, you got all this stuff. So once you kind of get beyond that number, the follow-up starts to to depreciate the the care starts starts to depreciate mm. it actually is bad for salespeople because if you put them in too much lead abundance they don't value the the leads coming in because they're like man i got 10 more on my great, calendar great point yeah right and so you need to cap them at around six to eight and if you're the salesperson you need to cap yourself at six to eight so all of a sudden if you're in six to eight consistently you need to be looking at hiring in the future before you burn out. If you're eight, 10, something ungodly like that, like you're already past that point. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's when you know you need to hire because remember three weeks to get the marbles out of the mouth, two months to hit their stride. Right. And you're already beyond where is, is acceptable from a conversion standpoint. Here's a big tip I want to give, which I always give when somebody comes to me and says, I need to hire a salesperson. And it's always, I need <laughs> Yeah, it's never, never I it's want. never, I it's want to hire a salesperson because I'm really, you know, at my, my, my stretch point and I'm ready to bring on someone and I'm ready to be patient with them and I'm ready to really take this thing far. It's always I need because they let it go too far. Mm -hmm. Always I need, right? So you're always in a position of sort of angst when, when, when this starts, right? But the best advice I can always give, it, it, it almost never fails, by the way, and it is to always hire a setter or a sales assistant first as a bridge to the full-time salesperson. And what I mean by a setter is let's let's assume you listening and watching, you're the closer. I'm yeah. the closer. Aaron's the closer. But if you bring a setter in, a setter can book appointments for you, pre-qualify for you, follow up, make appointments for you. Most important, position you better than you positioning yourself because third-party validation will always position you in a stronger more authoritative light than if you're positioning yourself in a more authoritative light. So if they're following up, booking appointments, even maybe doing the first call, setting you up for the second call, there's a number of ways to play the setter-closer model. It really becomes like a Batman and Robin thing. It becomes a team thing that works really, really well if you know how to do it. And it, what it does is it alleviates you from thinking that you're hiring another closer right away and you have to turn everything over to that closer. And then you and I both know that that often doesn't really work well because again, it comes back to they really can't close like we can, right? It comes back to that. But the setter, it's almost like you're, like you're dipping your big toe in the water. The setter is like, I'm bringing someone in, but I know they're not all in and maybe they have the potential to be all in. But even if they don't, they can stay as a setter because that's a valuable role as well. I look at the setter like the concierge at a really nice restaurant. First person you see, first person you talk to, Make or break the, the, the first impression. Are they amazing with people, bringing them in, rolling out the red carpet, white glove service, follow up, follow through? All of that is your setter. And they're setting you up, in, my, in this example here, they're setting up the restaurant to be a great experience. The setter is setting you up to be a great experience and setting you up to most likely have a lot less resistance when you sell because they've done a certain job of setting you up and putting you in a position to make a sale. That works really well. And sometimes when we advise on that, they like that model so much, they stay with it. Yeah. Or they go, this person's great. I'm going to now step two, phase two. I'm going to now elevate them into a salesperson without going all in mentally, 
emotionally, right, and physically with throwing someone in to become a closer right out of the gates. The setter closer model is a great stepping stone, and it's a great model indefinitely. It should yeah. always be part of your, your process as setter closer. But for you, if you're like, I'm, I could never get someone up to, to, to sell like me, well, then don't. Bring in a setter to sell next to you, not in place of you. And now you're like, it's almost like a liberating feeling. You're like, okay, I can do that. I can buy into that. I'm not ready to buy into someone replacing me yet. And that's what we find a lot. And it's very effective. It, 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 it often, it rarely doesn't work when you, when you, attack, when you tackle it that way. The, the nice thing about a setter too is that if you're in that position, let's just say you're getting four sales calls a day. I'm just throwing yeah, out a number, right, right? Right, right, gotcha. Maybe one of them doesn't show up. Three of them do. Two of them are unqualified. One of them is an ideal prospect. Yep. You just wasted three out of your four hours, right? But, th but think about the follow-up that has to take place though on those people that didn't show or did show or need more information. If you're the salesperson, you're the one doing all that. Yep. It starts to weaken your positioning. So it there's does. there's a psychological play here as well. Yeah, for sure there is. And I just look at it from the perspective of if you want to scale, but you're not feeling comfortable enough yet to get a, a salesperson to replace you. Yep. If you have a setter going and talking with people, right? The person who's not going to show up to your call, they're not going to show up with the setter. So right off the bat, that got wiped out from your calendar, right? <laughs> Number two. Good night. The two unqualified people, the setter is going to ask them some questions to see if they're qualified. And if they're not, they're not going to let them through, right? Big time saver right there again. What did they yeah. just save you? Potentially two full hours, two full appointments of who am I talking to? Why am I talking to this person? Big. Right? Time back again, Aaron. And then number four, that person that was going to be the ideal prospect for you they've positioned you and got the person excited about talking to you. So you're now in less of a sales position and more of like a connecting. Absolutely, man. Order taking. It comes right back to the theme of the show, how to sell more with less resistance. We're always looking for that. I don't want to know if I want to call it a hack. It's more of an efficiency. How do I create an efficient environment where I get to sell more with less resistance? A setter is absolutely the way to go. And again, that setter may ultimately replace you. You might find your unicorn. That's the goal. If not, that setter is very valuable to begin with. So there's a lot of ways to play the higher, the higher and fire. We didn't get to the firing part yet. I guess we'll go there in a minute. Well, and, and, and I want to summarize what I just said there. Right now, if you're taking up four hours a day, but only one of them is useful, right? And you hire a setter, you could now quadruple your amount of traffic knowing that the setter is going to peel off the 75% that are unqualified to talk to you. Right on. Right. Instead so, of you. So wasting we're, three hours we're, we're back to marketing again. Right. We're looping right. back to can I get in a position now to, to maybe you you're in a position now where you've slowed the lead process down or right. you haven't you've been a little ginger with it. You haven't been willing to go all in now with this infrastructure in place. You're like, let's take three leads a day to six. Let's take six leads a day to ten because you can't because, because you have you a setter. Or you have a setter and a closer and maybe you and you're in the mix too. You're in the trenches too. So many ways to do this. Um, but again, I think most tackle it in the way we started the show, which is full replacement of me, all in, buy or die. They better replace me or bust. Yep. Equals a ton of frustration and a lot of training and a lot of wasted time because you're, you're, you're trying to replace Tom Brady with Tom Brady. It is not going to happen. It might happen. There's a half a 1% chance it could happen.
Better, better yet, what you're doing is you're trying to replace Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo and expect that he's going to be Tom Brady. <laughs> better said. <laughs> <laughs> better said, man. And, and, and fittingly, as as Brady comes out of retirement a week ago, how funny was that, by the way? It's, I just love the guy so much. I mean, we've done shows on him. We're probably due, due, we're due to do another show on him, and the reason being is not only because of sports, but now, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, he now has two businesses outside of football. The first one we know about is TB12 Sports, TB12, which is his yeah. facilities, his gear, his supplements. I take a lot of his supplements. I love his electrolytes. But now, what most don't know, it wasn't as publicized, is he started a men's casual clothing line called Brady. And that just launched, I want to say December, right at the end of the year. So now How he many has. How do you have the, in your closet right now? Excuse me? How many do you have in your closet right now? I don't have any just yet. I'm embarrassed what? to admit it. I don't have, I don't, you know, I need to look into this. I've just been busy, right? But the Brady, the Brady line. So the reason we like him is because he's great and he's still playing at 44. But we also like that he's, I can't find another time where an entrepreneur was an active entrepreneur while they're still in the game. I've never seen this. Two businesses that are thriving, by the way. The new one, I don't know yet. But TB12 Sports is a a beast. Drew Brees did a couple. Not, but did anything get um, to this level, though? Level of, no, of Tom it Brady. didn't. It didn't. So, you know, we'll loop back to that point. But that's always for us when we're doing show topics on our radar is who's doing something really unique, different, and, and, and compelling. And that's, you know, that's Brady. Uh, but looping back to the Brady-like figure, right, replacing a winner with a winner, this process here, setter, closer, Slowly building the infrastructure will will liberate you a little bit more and, and give you the patience and I think the the enthusiasm to see it through. It's tough to stay enthusiastic when you're trying to fully replace yourself. It gives you the Aaron Rodgers as the backup quarterback while you still have Brett Favre. Peace of mind, baby. Like, <laughs> and not only peace of mind, but confidence. Can you be like, if my guy goes down, I don't, I'm not the least bit concerned, right? That's a good feeling. You just, that's a great analogy, Aaron. So it's like you and me. Like for, for those of you that don't know us, we have known each other probably for 17 years. And we met each other through in the affiliate marketing world where we've been in internet marketing. We've been in sales environments. We've done live events. And, and early on in our days before we owned companies like we do now, we were selling. Yep. And we were actually competing against each other in sales contests, if you remember back. Of course, yep. I beat, beat you every time, like all of us. Oh, stop <laughs> Not true. We probably probably went back and forth quite a bit. I'm sure you did. But I uh, I had to throw that out there. But we come from that environment where we were always competing and we were always in that game and always selling and then figuring out how do we build how do we build little little sales like infrastructures to make our lives smoother and to make the business run smoother. And we've really just parlayed that into companies too, and it works very well, right? It works very well to be thinking about not a person but a infrastructure. Setter, closer, et cetera. So let's talk about when to cut them loose. Sure signs that it's time to cut somebody loose, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that that you'll cover at least one or two. I'll cover one coming right out of the gates, right? So first off, now that you've listened to the first part of this conversation, you now know that not closing at your rate is not the reason to fire somebody. And if you have that expectation, you are dumb mm. and – it's never going to work, right? So let's say you set a realistic goal, which is probably half of what you can sell. So, so if you're you can closing sell it at 30%, 50%. you got a guy or a gal coming in at 15%. Yep. It's That's, Don't let it alarm you, right? Don't nope. let it 
piss you off. Right. But now you also have to take into consideration what I said, three weeks to get the marbles out of their mouth, two months to hit their stride. So now we're saying, okay, are they going to hit that number at the two month mark, which if they're good, they will, right? If you've put the processes in place for them, if you've trained them, they will, right? Now, what happens when they stop hitting the mark, right? Everybody freaks out. It's, I mean, salespeople are so valuable to you. I mean, they directly impact your bottom line. So it's, I understand why people freak out, right? Let's say they don't hit it for the first month, right? That obviously warrants a conversation. How are you doing? Anything going on in your personal life? Any resources you need to help this be better for you? The first month is really about you owning it. What am I not giving you to allow you to succeed at the highest level? Great advice. Right? Think of it. It's you first, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if they say, I got everything I need, everything's good, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Month two. Now it's, it's getting problematic, right? The end of month two, if they're still not hitting it, and you ask them that question again, and they tell you, you know, you've evaluated all the systems, you've checked all the follow-ups, you've, you're looking at the, the most importantly, the other people are the other are other people hitting it, right? Now this is an important point. If nobody's hitting it, you have a training and offer problem. But if meaning, other meaning are, if you have multiple salespeople, now you're talking about correct, right? Right. But if 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 there's multiple people and other people are hitting it, now you go two months with this person. You're probably going to need to spend a little time reviewing calls, giving feedback, direction, a little more handholding, and now it's time for a stern warning, right? Look, love you as a person, but this is a, a data-driven business. By the end of the month three, we need to see the result, right? And if there's anything in there that, that you need to hit that result, obviously let me know, right? Three months in a row go by, what's probably happening is there's something external happening in their world. Maybe, maybe they got a couple different gigs and they're distracted. Maybe they're just burnt out. Happens to salespeople all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's an environment problem. I, I don't know. That's it. It's time to replace them. Right. And 90 days is a really good benchmark. I want to stop you on that point because you should never hire somebody open-ended indefinitely. Everything should be done in a 90 day window and it should be in writing in contract form out of the gate so that that salesperson or setter knows I'm on a 90-day trial. I'm yeah. basically fired in 90 days with no recourse yep. if I don't work out. Not not hire them as a W-2 employee indefinitely open-ended, then you fire them and they're collecting unemployment from you. Total disaster. I've seen it happen and, and, with and novice business owners who miss who misunderstood the relationship of the salesperson, brought them in as W-2 employees, had open-ended contracts, and end up getting sued for like I don't know, whatever the, I don't even hire W-2 employees for this reason, but. I've, I have tested right? W-2 sales employees versus benefits, unemployment, employees. paying unemployment when they're fired. It's like, wake up. I mean, come on, there's plenty of ways to, to, to not pigeonhole yourself into these old school environment, these old school, um, you know, employee business owner relationships. So 90 days, usually independent contractor. Sometimes there's a salary or a jar against commission, so there might be a small W-2 play, but you you insulate yourself with the 90-day contract. Really important because you're going to know in 60 days, but 90 gives you a little bit of a cushion, and really the, the contract is 90 days or less. Yeah. Yeah. What's another reason that you would say warrants? I'm going to give you my biggest man right here, okay? okay? This is the biggest. The 90-day thing and what you just mentioned is huge, but here is the biggest. 
And I'm a keen, keen observer of language and behavior. It's just the way I'm wired. I'm looking for excuses. Soon as I start seeing excuses, man, I am I I, I get irate. And I, it's it's language. Well, I didn't get it done because of this. Well, today I was off because of this. The blame and the excuses along the way, Aaron, are my red flags. Those are my litmus tests. I think that that's valid because you have to understand the makeup of a, of a professional salesperson. A professional salesperson is so elite in your organization. They're so important to your bottom line. They're almost like athletes, right? Of course. Great you analogy. You know the body language of an athlete that's not ready to play. He might be right? injured. Something's the, the, off. The best example I can give is, is look at last year with Russell Wilson. What an amazing quarterback for 10 years. His body language and how he played the whole last season was completely different. Was it? I didn't notice. It was. And I don't see had, him play that much. I think you see him more than me. And it was because in the beginning of the year, he said, I know I have a no trade contract, but if these one of these three teams came and knocked on the door, I would consider waiving it. He had already made the decision in his mind. He was no longer all in in Seattle. Mm. Right. And you could see the body language. You could see the heart. You could see the sense of urgency. It was all different than every year before. And and correspondingly, his results were tragic last year. Right. And so when you don't you have to see confidence, you have to see excitement. You have to see that will to win. You have to see that killer instinct. You have to see that sharp as attack mentality. If you don't see that, that person is going to burn out very, very quickly, and something about the environment is not the right fit for them. But again, you're right about that. Enthusiasm, sharp as attack, professionalism, all that, fine. I'm gonna loop back to what I said again, though. The language along the way is everything. Justification, blaming, excuses. Those are the big three. If something isn't working right, because there's always gonna be days where things are off, and if you, the business owner, come to a salesperson and say, hey, notice that you're, you know, you're not having as, as many quality conversations or you're not closing as many deals, and they go, you know what? You're right. I'm going to own that. Um, I've been kind of held up in a couple areas. Communication, not, well, the reason being is, well, the leads are weak. Well, because uh, I didn't sleep enough. This is the, like you said, language of leaders and language of winners is they, they, they take ownership of everything. They rarely will have excuses. I mean, we all make excuses once in a while. But if you're an A player, you'll notice in their language, that they will rarely make the excuses. They will rarely justify why th things aren't working. Then they will rarely blame other people or other things or the leads. They will just put their head down, own it, and go, yeah, I need to work on that. Uh, my bad. I don't know why I'm off, but I'm looking into it. I'm trying to get better. Like They're going to continue to find solutions, not excuses. And I see it all the time. And very few will look at what I'm talking about right now. They don't look at the language. They look at the performance. I'm looking at the language and the performance because the language often precedes the performance because if I keep making excuses, then all of a sudden I start letting myself off the hook. Guess what happens to my performance? Good night. And there is a difference between excuses and requests. It's a different tonality. True. Right? If you have somebody coming to you saying, hey boss, like I had some, some great swings at the bat. I'm really feeling like I'm coming along. You know what I think would make this even better? If I had like a, a PDF outline of being somebody able to walk like, give me a tool i need a tool if i had a couple of testimonials that i could send to people or if i had a, a this or that that's not complaining 
That's constructive criticism right of your process and requests. And that's actually the person you want. Right on. Somebody coming to the table with ideas on how to improve the process. But there's a big difference between that and making excuses. There is. So so, so another, another language play might be, hey, you know what? I'm off. I don't know why I'm off. I'm in a slump. But here's what I think might help. Can I get some testimonials to work with? So I'm, I'm taking ownership and I'm looking for another tool to make me better. Same thing in sports. We can use the Brady example, right? I don't know why I'm throwing interceptions, but I'm going to probably go watch 14 hours of film instead of 10 this week because I, it's pissing me off too. Not, yeah. well, my receivers blew their routes and my line isn't blocking. For, you're not going to hear that. It's the same in business and sales. This is such an important lesson, right? It's always, it's always to me, like the, the little hidden gems are these. Right here. And we've been around long enough to be able to share these hidden gems, right? They're always the unobvious things you want to look for. It's always counterintuitive. It's never what it appears to be on the surface. It isn't the leads. It isn't the guy. It's oftentimes the language that you might miss, or it's the behavior that you might miss, or it's, right? Look for the little things that most people aren't looking for. It's really going to help you in all areas of life, to be honest. It's never what it appears to be on the surface. I've got, Almost I've got 99% of the time. I've got that scene in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross spinning in my mind ever since you said the leads, the leads are weak. Leads are weak. You're, You're weak. weak. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest. It's the greatest. I mean, as as cheesy as that movie is, and as old school. I mean, it it did. It, it was like that pre-internet in the eighties and seventies with sure just was. decks of cards and telephone. I mean, I came up in the world of. Dun and Bradstreet cards and telephone, Aaron. I swear. I mean, now, can you imagine? I, I mean, listen. I like to say I've earned my stripes because I was a stockbroker in New York before the internet, which means we got a stack of leads to call biz, Dun & Bradstreet business owners, and we were calling the US and the UK. That was our, 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 I guess, regions, if you will, right? So we're calling Europe early in the morning and the US later in the day, and they're just handing out stacks of Dun & Bradstreet leads. Business name, business address, estimated volume, phone number calling them up on the phone. So if you're not pretty good with from from a communication standpoint, those leads are horrible. They're not even leads, they're just they're listings. <laughs> so they're numbers on a page. Right. So, you know, that's funny in the the, the Glengarry Glen Ross. Um, the leads are weak. You're weak, right? You're weak. So yeah, that's um I don't know what else. I mean, I didn't want to get into too much detail today because it's really just a couple pivots here that you might not be seeing. I think the big value we can bring you on the show is can we help you see something you might not be seeing? And I think when it comes time to hiring a salesperson or a setter, this is what you need to look at. Maybe it isn't a full-time salesperson. Maybe it's a setter. Or, hey, why am I not getting performance? Let me figure out how they answer certain questions. I almost like to use it as bait at times, right? Where I like to throw out some questions. Hey, why is this not working out? Why do you think you're not performing here? What's the holdup with this? What's going on here? Where did we trail off here? And I like to listen to the response. And the response will take me to two places, ownership or excuses. And then I know what kind of player I have in my hands. I often do the language trick early on. It's not something that needs to take time. It's right away, right? I agree. And you always say that we're going to do a short one today. It's always an hour because I think you and I just have fun talking. Well, we have a lot of fun talking. We do. But as soon as football comes into the mix, it's over. It's like a 30 minute, <laughs> like an extra 30 minutes, right? Extra 30 minutes. But uh, I'm going to leave it there, though. This was a good one today. 
Uh, as always, all past episodes, video and audio are at salesvelocitytv.com. We're on all the top podcast platforms. Leave us a review. Go check out past episodes. And again, we're live every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern in the public Sales Velocity TV Facebook page. Watch this one again. Listen to it again. It's going to give you a couple little tweaks that can allow you to do way more revenue with you getting your time back and maybe being able to allocate yourself more to marketing and growing the business. And I think ultimately that's what you as a listener want is more time back, more leads. It's going to take some more manpower. Hopefully this helps today. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. We will see you on the next episode of Sales Velocity TV and radio. This one's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.